Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, good morning, everybody. Chris Bay here with Life Success and Legacy, and I am joined by everybody named Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I got Mike Everett, the founder of Life Success and Legacy. I got Mike Kwong, uh, who is our, our passive income specialist. And Michael Crawford, who is our technical thinker, mathematician extraordinaire. And oh, by the way, my middle name is Michael. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know. So uh, we we need to come up with a new way of um, screening new team members. Shelly won't go for Mike <laughs> yet. We can't get Shelly to go, go by Mike, but we're working on her. So, hey, everybody, thanks for joining us uh, on this next edition of our um, Life Success Legacy podcast. Typically, we don't get all four of our mugs on here, um, but we felt like this was a, a topic that warranted um, all the different perspectives and thoughts and experiences from our team. We're going to jump into policy design. Um, specifically, it, it, you know, back in the day when I was researching, and Mike Everett, I know you can probably relate to this, but back in the day when I was researching um, IBC, there wasn't much out there. Nope. And and certainly there was not much out there about policy design. But uh, over the last decade or so, there has been a lot of information that has come out and people have adjusted, played around with designs, come up with new, um, new possibilities, et cetera, in the design. So if you read back in Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, typically his examples are somewhere in the range of and I, I need to back up the bus a little bit and do a little teaching of the different parts of the policy yeah. that goes into yeah. that. So I'm going to tag to you, Mike Everett, on that, because uh, you're so good at explaining what are the different pieces that Nelson taught us about that go into an IBC policy, base, POA, et cetera. Well, I mean, th- there's really two main components in the Nelson Nash design. We have the base premium that buys the the largest portion of the death benefit. We have the paid up addition rider that buys the available policy loans that most people are really interested in. Um, So those are really the key components. But then as time has gone on, there has been other bells and whistles that we can actually add to the policy to generate more cash value, to give more some uh, more availability on the front end and and I think that this is this is what has in my opinion complicated the IBC discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that gives sure. people kind of a real base of really where we go with yeah. IBC and and where we don't go so to speak. <laughs> so so typically with Nelson's um, design Uh, Mike Crawford, Nelson typically talked about the design of these policies within a range and explain that ratio between base and PUA and what those two elements do. You want me to do that again? I was was saying Mike Crawford on that one. Okay, perfect. There we go. Yeah. So, you know, when, when we talk about, and you could go back and listen to our podcast when we walked through Nelson's book, we went chapter by chapter. If you haven't gone back and done that, you could go back and listen to the chapter where we talk about, you know, the design of the policies and how when Nelson talked about the twin sisters, 
he designed their policies at, you know, a specific way. And when you kind of look down at it and you do the math, when you're not just reading the book, you realize that a majority of the policies Nelson designed were 40% base and 60% paid up additions. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. And, you know, Mike Everett would actually probably have more insight just because of his, you know, long-term experience and the multiple policies he has even just on himself. But mm -hmm. like the, the idea behind it is that we're finding the balance between where the, the paid up additions, which is, you know, as Chris talks about the booster rockets for the policy to get it, you know, into outer space. If you're thinking of it as a space shuttle, mm -hmm. once we get there though, we've learned over the course of time and experience. And we've shown this in examples on our boot camps and stuff like that is we've learned that you just, we don't need them after that fourth premium year in many cases, not all in many. And so we drop them. And then the paid up edition just drops down to, you know, a minimal amount to keep it available. But then we keep the base because the base is pure, is the true engine of the um, infinite banking structure. It is what holds the rest of it together for the long haul. And that's what we're looking at mm. is the long haul. You know, we're not thinking about this for just the first four years. Yes, that's important. That's where we build the foundation, but it's the long haul that matters. And that's why Nelson built those policies in that uh, ratio. So that that policy design that we talked about is that ratio between 40% going into the base, 60% going into the PUA. And the reason we go 60% generally, not always, but generally, is because it allows you to get access to about 60% cash value two weeks later. That is for someone who is wanting to get that higher percentage of cash value early on. Mike Kwong, I want to transition to you because, and, and Crawford, you've done this also with some of um, your family's policies. We've not always designed our own policies 40-60, 40% base, 60% PUA. <laughs> Mike Kwong, you've, you've had variations of that with your own policies. Can you explain why you would get away from that 40-60 design? Yeah, actually, uh, in some instances, it makes more sense to go even 50-50, where you beef up that base premium. Because remember, you know, that's mission control, right? That's where the shuttle is. Uh, that is the shuttle. And, and mm -hmm. for all the businesses down the road, that shuttle goes up. It's got to come down eventually, right? The boosters are going to come off anyways. So depending on where you're at and what your goals may be, you know, a 50% base, you know, that extra even to the base is going to way more than provide for you down the road. And yep. or not with a particular carrier selection and the way, you know, these cash values build, it might be 60% or 50% that first year, but way more than that, just in the second year, cumulatively. So let's not forget that because these are permanent assets. That's, that's it. They are permanent assets. So you can, you know, focus on that first year and obsess over that, you know, cash value premium availability or, or you know, or you can look at it and understand, oh, how, how does this look years five and seven down the road? Because mm -hmm. I found that plenty of times the cash values catch up at that point and then surpass what, you know, was a more aggressively styled policy. And that's because in that 50-50 design that you're, you've done, you are emphasizing a little bit more. And like we say all the times, there's there's no tricks in life insurance, right? Mm -mm, you, you, there's no deals. You're, you're getting something yep. here. You're losing something here. So Mike Kwong, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm more interested in the long-term growth of my cash value and policy. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. actually going to go 50-50 on this design rather than the 40-60. 
Generally, we're doing the 4060 for folks because they are, are wanting to get a little bit more cash value early on because they're trying to win, turn wind current or yep. leverage for investments or whatever. Mike Crawford, if I remember correctly, we even went um, 60% base, 40% PUA with um, some policies that you did, right? Yeah. So, and we've done this on other clients as well, but, you know, from a personal experience, my mom and dad, we went with the 60% base and 40% paid up additions, sort of for the same purpose that Quang was saying, but even a little more exaggerated where they didn't need the cash right away. They were looking at building a foundation of cash value for sure, but because they were 60, give or take a year or so when they bought mm -hmm. those policies, it made more sense to flood it more for the whole life aspect of it because it still is a permanent life insurance policy, right? And so they were looking at it more from, we want to have this coverage. We want the death benefit to be bolstered a skosh on the front end, rather than having to add a whole bunch of term, we actually just bolstered it by adding more base. And so <clears throat> that actually gave them cash if they needed it, but also really bolstered the death benefit of the policies in the early years. And had they, you know, have, if they live long enough, you know, um, then that death benefit actually, and the cash value grow pretty significantly over the course of that time, because it's still a well-designed policy. It's just, mm -hmm. you've changed the emphasis a, a, a minor amount. You're, you're, you're focused on maybe the death benefit on the front end versus the cash value on the front end. And that, that 20% swing can really shift it quite a bit. So let's put that in real numbers. Um, and anybody can chime in on this one. Um, if we're looking at just a $10,000 annual premium policy, let's talk about the difference we would see in actual cash value available that first month, okay? If, if it's a 40-60 split, 40% base, 60% PUA versus a, let's say your example, Mike Crawford, 60-40, right? 60% base, 40. What are we gonna see in a difference in cash value in those policies? few percent, you know, really, um, we're, you know, if, let's use a $10,000 policy, you know, traditionally, if it's 6,000 or um, 6,000 in the paid up additions, you know, for the 60%, you're going to see give or take, you know, 5,500 or something like that from yeah. availability. Correct me if I'm wrong, but no, fine. that's right. <laughs> I'm not looking at one, but you know, if you flip that card, then you're going to probably, you know, and you have 40,000 or 4,000 in the, 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 the paid up additions and 6,000 in the base, you know, the base still does buy cash value. It's just smaller mm -hmm. at the beginning, right? So you're, you're going to probably see somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,600 available. So, you know, you're, 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 tr you're truncating that growth on those earliest years. Um, again, it, it matters. Maybe 2,000 bucks. Yeah, Max, it matters Max. what your goals are. You know, mm -hmm. um, again, my parents' goals were different than Kwong's goals, and those are different than my goals, and they're different mm -hmm. than your two goals, you know. So I think it's a matter of that conversation. And that's why when we build strategies for client, we've already, or clients, we've already had the, the dream conversation. Mm -hmm. We know their goals. And because of that, we can more intelligently design that strategy for their goals. So what I want to do is slowly transition us into a discussion of what some people might see out there is what you'd see. We've heard skinny base. We've heard 1090 design or 2080 design, more aggressive design um, towards the ca early cash value. Mike Everett, I want to come back to you. You talked about how companies have bells and whistles that they add 
And just, you know, early on being a trailblazer with IBC and learning from Nelson, you did a lot of um, creative designs with policies. And one of those bells and whistles is a term writer. That's right. When, when over the years, as you have designed policies for yourself or for clients, what are the ways and what are the reasons that you have used a term writer? Well, I'm going to go with the number one reason. The number one reason was it what it does is it bolsters the amount of potential available cash value policy loan against that policy. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is really the number one thing. Um, and we were doing that. I, you know, I hate to admit this, but we were doing this originally for I think the right reasons, but we were doing it originally because we really didn't understand the true mechanism, the true internal design of the policy. So we were just, and I, you know, if, there, if I've got old clients that are listening to this, it w- wasn't anything that we did intentionally, but it's just that we were trying to really get the cash value up so we could actually change the wind current in a, mm-hmm in a pretty quick manner again it was based on their goals they wanted to turn the wind current i'm telling you so in order to get that higher percentage of cash value Mm -hmm. explain how the how the term rider works to do that well the term rider what it does is it it drags part of the base premium out to buy the term rider which in turn it, it it in turn lowers the base death benefit thus the base premium is less and it increases the amount of PUA that is available. So what ends up happening is if you if you had a let's just use a 40-60 split and you put a term rider on it, it would actually kind of reduce the the uh, the base premium to about 30 to 35 percent, and it would increase the cash value by anywhere from it, it wasn't like an, a, a giant number but 500 to a thousand dollars in that first year. And when you're talking about somebody who maybe has a thousand dollar credit card or, you know, has a, a debt out there that they can pay that off and they're, you know, spending a hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. on that debt. That's that, that was a large um, boost for them as far as personal cash value. Mike so, Kong, I see you want to add yeah. a little bit on that. Yeah, one way I explain it, you know, to 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 people is that you know we have to be mindful of the mech. Remember the modified endowment concept. That's right. And, Boy, and that's good. Way, the simplest way I explain what the mech is is the acceptable limit or a ratio, if you would, of cash value versus the death benefit in any given year for the first seven early on. Okay, and the 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 point of it is so it doesn't get too aggressive or or cash heavy to the point where it triggers the mech and becomes a taxable asset your mm-hmm. policy is thus taxable it can never go back to its tax-free status which is important because i mean that's one of the major benefits of a policy yeah. so what what um, happens is in order to front more cash than is normally kosher within you know the first year or so um, you have to support it with enough death benefit and that's where that term comes in at a very cheap dollar for dollar uh, rate, if you would. So you buy extra temporarily, you buy that extra room, if you would, in your system, okay, to afford you that extra cash dump in through the PUA, 
and uh, and that's why that exists and you know is is able to happen but only in those first few years because what happens to term it goes away it, it gets more expensive in that yes so it's a it's a yeah. double sword right it goes away and it gets more expensive if you don't want it to go away and you know i think that you know when we when we talk about the 2080 or the 1090s um my opinion is it is somebody trying to find a way to manipulate life insurance beyond what it was intended for. And mm. that to me is trying to find a deal inside of life insurance. And I cannot tell you how many times, and I've heard this from so many sources, not in, not just the LSL team, not just Nelson, other people from the NNI, other people from the IBC world that have been like, there are no deals in life insurance. And they may not say that exact phrase, but in essence, anytime that somebody talks about sort of this stripping down or these skinny bases or whatever you want to call them, they are looking for a deal in life insurance and or they are looking for the fastest way to make the most commission and or most cash for that client. And they're not thinking about the long-term effects for that client, in my opinion. So let's now, break down. The, uh, Go ahead, Mike. Well, I, I was going to actually say uh, what what Mike Kwong and Mike Crawford just said are really th these are key components of why we don't do what 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 we're talking about here. But here is probably the the biggest worst part of this entire thing. You go with a 1090 or a 2080, and usually what you're doing is you're boosting cash. So the number one reason is that slams that thing up against that mech line. I'm telling you, it gets so tight that, that when they start taking policy loans, it even pushes it closer to the mech line. Mm. Those are bad things in IBC. Let's see. Wait, 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 wait. I've got to do this. The number one principle is think long term. Yeah. Okay, so we're thinking long term. The number two one is capitalized generously, and they haven't done that. But then here is the big boom on this whole deal. You got people that want that cash on the front end, and what are they going to do? They're going to take policy loans because you've got these skinny, skinny design policies, and they've got this huge amount of cash value where they're going to take a policy loan. Yeah. Now, Let's do this for two or three or four years. How many of those people have the cash flow to make those policy loan repayments? Right. Less than 5%. Yeah. <clears throat> and so what ends up happening is as they've number one, had these policies designed improperly, in my opinion, they've gotten closer to the MEC line. They've taken huge policy loans and then they haven't paid them back. Ooh, what's principle number three? Don't, Don't steal. steal from your system. Be an honest banker. Yeah. And so I, I'm telling you, all of the things that the 1090, the 2080s, even close to the 3070 designs violate exactly yeah. what we're trying to do. Whew. Sorry, yeah. I just went off there. No, <laughs> I, I get, think you're I absolutely little, right. Yeah. You know, because like you're, you, what you just did was you basically explained what Nelson talked about his entire IBC journey, right? Was those main principles. And we might've said them differently, but in essence, what we were saying, what Fong and I were saying about these types of policy designs or these the ways that different people are trying to like squeeze more, <laughs> you know, out of it. And 
like is is basically all just a violation of what Nelson taught. Mm, it is. You know, um, I'm, I'm reminded. I'm looking in Nelson's book, "Becoming Your Own Banker," and um, and I'm on page 38 where he talks about the mech, yeah. and yeah. Um, he says, you know, if it becomes a mech, then then you're going to be looking at be creating a taxable event, right? And mm -hmm. Mike Kwong, you and I were having a conversation about this. Well, how, what are the mechanics of that? And when would it be taxable? Because really it's a breakdown of, okay, when I take um, earnings or withdrawals or loan from my policy, right? When I take a withdrawal or a loan from my policy, at what point would that be a taxable event, right? Well, right. early on, my cost basis, I'm never going to be able to, in the early years, I'm not going to be able to borrow more than my cost basis. Mm -hmm. But at some point, right. I will be able to borrow more than my cost basis. Can you talk a little bit about how you see that, Mike Kong? Sure. So just to define, right, what cost basis means, it's simply the amount of total monies that you put into your system, in this case, the policy itself. So all those dollars that went in through premium, you know, whether it was through base premium or PUA, that's the cost basis. And you can track yeah. an illustration. Sometimes they show it right there. Uh, vice that is what you have in your cash values, right? And, it, and in the beginning, your cash values are going to fall behind or start off way behind what you put into it because of costs. However, over time, as your policy gets more and more efficient, as each year the dividends are reinvested to purchase more death benefit and cash value, that closes the gap. And somewhere down the line, maybe years eight or 10 or so, uh, it could uh, effectively uh, be the case where your cash values match and then will start to even exceed whatever you put into your total uh, premium. So, so go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're on, you're, you keep going. Yeah, so at that point is where your policy starts to have a cash available, uh, cash values beyond what you put in the cost basis, and that amount, that net amount beyond that, would be certainly taxable. If, if you have a policy that has met, it was met. If it's crossed that modified endowment contract line, and you have um, more available in cash value than what you have put into your cost basis. <laughs> then the amount above your cost basis would be a taxable event if you pulled that out. Just like any other in, you know, investment strategy. Mm -hmm. That's right. And Nelson says, he said, um, it's not a, if it mechs, it's not a matter of earth shaking consequences, Right. but it can be avoided with a little bit of understanding of just what exactly is going on. So why bother with getting on the left side of the mech line? He says, after all, we're not attempting to accomplish all of the banking needs through the device of one policy. You will need a system of many policies in order to complete the job. Yeah. And sometimes I think this 1090, we're like trying to get so aggressive and we're putting all these risk factors into play and That's we're trying point. to get a deal and we're focusing on one policy. Whereas if you work with a coach who knows your goals and is designing the policy to accomplish your goals, not just short term, but over the life of the client. That's really where we want to take a look at how we do that, right? Okay, I'm jumping in here for one second. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, those guys that are doing that 1090, I want what I would like to do, and you've hit on all cylinders, Chris Bay. I would like to go down to year two, year three, year four, and ask. Okay how many of those agents are still communicating with that client? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's now, an aggressive, yeah, that's an aggressive statement right there. But I'm going to tell you, we take our educational piece of IBC the same way we got taught by Nelson Nash. We are transferring that education directly to our clients at the level that they are willing to spend to educate and research themselves. What I find interesting is we live and breathe this stuff. Like we play around with illustrations and all this kind of stuff. And yet do any of us design our own policies with the aggressive design? No, in fact, we just heard from Mike Kwong for himself. He does 50-50 sometimes. Crawford for his own flesh and blood did a 40, 40, no, 60-40, 60% base, 40% PUA. Everett, we did a policy on you for the business. It was almost 60-40. Right. We didn't even, for an old dude like you, right? We didn't even add a term writer. Bring it. (laughs) When they pay that death benefit when I'm 103, hey, you're going to know what's going on. (laughs) So logically, like I hear people out there who will say, well, the reason that we don't want to do a 1090 is because it decreases our commission. Let's get real. Yeah. (laughs) Right. We're not it the the 1090 we don't personally do because we know what works for us long term and for our own personal and business goals. So, and really it has zero to do with the commission that we make. Zero. Right. Yeah. It 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 you know, we always talk about a huge percentage of our new business comes from our existing clients. That's right. Expanding their system. Just like I was just reading from Nelson, you're going to need That's a right system, right? And if I've done a 1090 for somebody, which I would refuse to do, but if I had done that and they get 10 years down the road and that term writer's jumping off, they're calling. They it. either, they're going to be ticked because <laughs> that term writer is going to be way more expensive right? Yeah. Or they can't add it and they can't use their, their policy for, um, for IBC anymore for banking no. purposes. No. Yeah. So Crawford, I want to bring it back to you. You, you know, you're a car dude, right? Yeah. And I like how you talk about the policy design and the engines and cars and stuff like that. So can you kind of paint for those of us, for those listeners out there that are, that are car people, can you paint a picture with a car analogy? Well, I think what I was saying, you know, offline was that, you know, when people try to strip the policies down to these skinny policies or, you know, really like manipulate the design beyond the, the I, and I know reasonable is a subjective term, but beyond the reasonable levels, you know, of, of policy manipulation, they're basically taking the engine out of the thing, the base policy, the base insurance, the permanent life insurance, like I said earlier, is the engine to this entire thing. If it's 40% base, 50% base, 60% base, whatever those numbers are, that is the real <laughs> one-term engine of the policy. And so it's sort of like when you strip it down to these 10 or 20% um, you know, bases, you've taken it from a V8 down to a three-cylinder. You know, you're now on a moped or, you know, I mean, it's... <laughs> To me, it's like I think of it in terms of like if I need to get from point A to point B, I want the most power, I want the most durability, and I want to get there quick. And mm-hmm. that isn't going to happen on a three cylinder engine. And, you know, right. like I think that 
all too often, again, we've said this, we're beating a dead horse here. All too often, we're trying to accomplish a goal with one policy or with the influx of that cash value from those first couple of years that really ultimately, it, it, it completely demolishes what infinite banking can truly be and the power that it truly has. You know, I always say, if I can get you to year three, year four, the possibilities are absolutely endless. Mm. Good stuff. Thank you. Mike Pong, I want to bring it back to you. I just, something jumped into my head. Um, it's kind of like an exercise in logic. Do you have clients that talk to you who are pretty aggressive with you know passive income? And they're like, well, so what if it max? Big deal. So I pay some taxes, but I get so much more cash value, right? Mm. Do, you have, do you have those conversations with people? Uh, fortunately, not a whole lot. You know, I mean, by the time, you know, we talk about policy design, they've hopefully been educated enough to understand and appreciate the principles that are, you know, that we value and, and promote. But that being said, yeah, sometimes people will say, I don't care about the mech, you know, um, and, you know, that's something that if they really understand what's at work here and what you're giving up for, right? Because mm -hmm. I always yeah. go back to that first year. Okay, sure. That first year, it's like Usain Bolt, right? You get the jump for that first hundred yards. They don't know these policies are marathons, right? right? And, and that policy, Usain Bolt's not going to make it to, to mile 10, probably, much less 26. Right. Okay. You know, uh, I love cars too, but, you know, I'm a big track guy. Um, but, you know, <laughs> as far as like the mech, uh, and, and you don't even have to go that far down to year 10. I promise, you know, with the right type of policy, you know, or carrier and, and construction by the second and third years, plenty of times, and you guys can vouch me on this, you know, you'll see up to 90, if not more percent of that second year premium additionally available. So right mm -hmm. there, okay, you forego that first year of the 60% by year two, three, four, you're over 90% adding on and growing and growing. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, I mean, I really, ran. I've ran 1090s. In fact, I was just running one as we were t talking because my brain was racing. And like it was a twenty thousand, <laughs> it was a twenty thousand dollar policy. So two thousand in the base, eighteen thousand in the paid up editions. I had to add a three hundred and twenty five thousand dollar ten year term in order for it not to mech in year one. Again, to your point, Mike. You know, like oh, I don't care if it mechs. I just want that cash value. By year six, the policy had been overtaken. And it never looked back. The never. forty, the sixty forty, and that's on the conservative design. The sixty forty, yeah, had I done the yeah. forty sixty, where there was sixty percent in the base, it would have probably been even better, or fifty fifty. Yeah. But again, we're thinking on that long term spectrum, right? We're not taking into account the first year or two. Sure, it may not be perfect. It may not have exactly the amount of cash that the ten ninety does. But guess what? If you have the long term thinking, you will succeed. Yep. I'm curious if. I'd be curious to have a conversation with someone who who actually says, I don't care if it mechs because they want that extra little cash value. I wonder if that person actually works with an accountant who's trying to reduce their taxes. Yeah, because, be. because logically to me, that doesn't make sense that I don't care if it mechs because I want that little bit of extra money. But on the side over here, I'm going to pay this high dollar accountant to reduce my taxes in my life. Like, I have an analogy for this. Let's hear it. I love okay. it. <laughs> so here, here's my theory on that is that how many of us have had conversations with clients who are either brand new to IBC or who are very deep thinkers as Everett would call them, 
Um, and they're, they're concerned that if they stop contributing to their 401k where their company matches, right. how many of them do we see? Giving away free money. And they're like, oh, but I mean, I, I, I would much rather stay contributing to my 401k because my company matches. I don't care that I have to pay taxes. I don't care that I have a um, you know maintenance fee on that every time they touch my money. I don't care that I can't use it until I'm 59 and a half without penalties. These are the, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to lump everybody into a bucket, but I'm just saying like, it stands to reason that our old thinking, our old way mm -hmm. of thinking and the way that we've been told and taught to manage money and handle our finances plays into how people interpret infinite banking even. And they see life insurance, not as the vessel that it can be, but as a different tool to do the same thing they've always done. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Good stuff, you guys. Mike Everett, I'm going to ask you to kind of take us out Bring us back home with Nelson's principles because they have never failed us. What are Nelson's, what are Nelson's principles that he taught? Think long-term. You got to think long-term. If you're not a long-term thinker and you just want money up front, you're probably not going to work with us. Think long-term. Number two, capitalize generously. You're going to, if you want a little in it, if you want a little out of it, put a little in it. If you want a lot out of it, put a lot into it. And the design that we design is perfect. Number three, don't steal from your system. I'm telling you, he uses the grocery store. He uses cans of peas in his book. I'm telling you what, if you take the peas off the shelf, put them back. And mm -hmm. the peas just happen to be your cash flow. Don't do business with banks. We're going to show you how to get rid of all of those regular loans, the HELOCs, the boat loans, the motorcycle loans. And rethink your thinking. That was a late onset principle that mm -hmm. he brought in just uh, about five or six years before he passed. And I'm telling you what, I have to think about that all of the time because mm -hmm. how often, and Crawford just talked about that, how often do we fall back into that thought process? Because this is what we got taught. Hey, you know what? We've been contributing to our 401k forever. And you know what? My company's given me all this free money. So it's all a lie. But yet part of what we do is we, we keep those five principles up in front of us all the time because guess what it does? It keeps us grounded, grounded. it keeps us and brings us back home and it keeps us going back to Nelson's book and saying, what did Nelson say? Because this guy used this for like 25 years before he wrote the book. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm going, mm, you, you know, he wanted to make sure that this dead gum thing worked. <laughs> we we know it works, by the way. And the, the people that are out there looking for the 1090s and the 2080s, they're not going to take the time and energy to educate themselves with us anyway, and probably are not going to be people that we work with, which is A-OK, -okay because there's enough other people out there that want to bastardize the policy. Sorry, that's not a great way to finish it, but boy, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Everett. Truth bombs. Oh. Calling it out. Calling it like he sees it. <laughs> well, um, to our listeners, thanks for continuing to join us for these discussions. The, the 1090 um, aggressive design policies is certainly a topic that's out there more and more. And so we felt like we should really um, come in and talk and explain why we are not necessarily in favor of those designs. Trust me, we went down that road years ago and we yeah. really worked at the designs of it. We just did not see it serving the client long-term. Yeah. And so just philosophically, we don't do the 1090. So if that's what you're looking for, um, 
life success and legacy probably is not uh, your cup of tea. And we're okay with that. Yeah, so, that's right. Well, um, Mike, Mike, Mike. <laughs> Mike, 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 Mike. Thank you guys for your wisdom, your um, your participation in this discussion. Super, super appreciate it. To our listeners, um, we look forward to our next podcast and uh, keep keep joining us. Comment, download, give us feedback. If there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, let us know. We'd appreciate it. Thanks for joining us.